You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Terry Riley, which is from our sermon series, The Beatitudes, Jesus' Talk on the Hill. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. So if you would turn to Matthew chapter 7, kids have an incredible ability to kind of be able to synthesize and distill uh, the the best of truth. Uh, Let me give you a couple of kids' prayers. God, I went to this wedding, and they were kissing right there in the church. Is that okay? (laughs) Uh, Dear God, thank you for the baby brother that you gave me. Uh, but I prayed for a little puppy. (laughs) Uh, Dear Jesus, uh, uh, it must be super hard to love all of the people in the world, especially my brother. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) That's so good. Uh, Dear God, I say your prayer every night. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us some email. But I never get an email from you. Do you have my right address? <laughs> uh, dear God, please take care of my daddy, my mommy, my sister, my brother, my doggy, and me. And oh, please take care of yourself. Because God, if anything happens to you, we're all going to be in a big mess. <laughs> Don't you ever just feel that way? Like, God, take, just you know, be doing, because otherwise it's, it's a big mess. And uh, so, so thankful that he's so sovereign, so powerful. And sometimes we forget that. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount and uh, walking our, taking our time through it. And it's considered probably the greatest teaching that Jesus ever taught. It's really considered one of the greatest ethical teachings, even for those who aren't Christ followers. But what we've been saying is Jesus' focus here isn't just on the ethical teaching of this, but he's calling us to this new counterculture relationship with him and his church. That Jesus is one who's always transforming us. He's always wanting to change us. And then we've said that. I said that probably almost every Sunday because I don't want you to forget that. I want that to kind of seep deeply into the moorings of your faith and your soul so that you understand that Jesus, he loves you right where we are where you are, right where I am, but he's always committed to transforming us into his image so that we can influence the people around us and be a part and make a difference in this kingdom because of his kingdom. And today we're going to look at Jesus wants to give us this great confidence in his father, not in a religion, but in a relationship with father God, a confidence to know that we can ask God these things that we need and desire for our lives, and we can be extremely confident that he answers. And so we're going to talk about that today because Jesus doesn't want us to live with kind of this sense or semblance of just this holy hopefulness. The Boy, I hope it's going to work. I hope God's here. I hope God's presence is available. I hope this or I hope that. Last Sunday, we talked about judging others. Do any of you uh, ever struggle with being judgmental? I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but uh, go ahead if you want. 
uh, you know, or you, 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 you struggle with being critical. You just dislike some really ornery people. Some people can be hard to love. Can I get an amen on that? You know, there's always those people that just find fault with everything and everyone. They can be hard to love. And you know what? To be able to do that, we need God's help. And I wonder if that isn't why the passage that we're looking at today when people go, how in the world do I do it? Uh, Jesus says, well, ask my father. Ask God. He can help you. So how do we get this help for our life or whatever area we simply ask God? Now, remember earlier in chapter 6, Jesus challenged his readers then or his listeners then and readers today to make sure that we don't enter into our, our prayer and our fasting and our religious experience ritualistic and just to be seen and for our own personal glory or so that we can look good or so that we can say, everybody will say, oh boy, what a spiritual person. He says, that's hypocrisy. Stay away from that. Don't be that kind of person. And then he gives us this model prayer and he says, when you pray, pray this way. And so today Jesus comes back and he kind of reaffirms some prayer points. And he reminds us the importance of praying. Now, in the first six verses, we're kind of coming in for a landing with the Sermon on the Mount here in the next few weeks. But the first six verses of Matthew 7, Jesus talks about our relationship with others. And the rest of it, he's going to be, he's going to really challenge us in some areas to really look at our relationship with God and the reality of that and the substance of that. And then uh, next week, we're going to look at another thing that has to do with kind of one anothering, and that's the, the golden rule, do unto others as you would have others do unto you, and talk about how that all fits in to Jesus' teaching. So let's pick it up in Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 7. So Jesus has just talked about not being judgmental, and he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he'll give him a snake. If you then, who are sinful, evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. Now, I love this. You might want to highlight it in your Bible. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, because of what Jesus just said, referring back to that, Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them. For this is the law and the prophets. And we'll look at that next year. That's next year. <laughs> it's been a long week. Next week. We'll get to it next week. Fourth of July weekend. I know where I am. I know what day it is. I want you to see the first thing that Jesus does here. He gives us this beautiful, gracious invitation that we get to come to a good good a trustworthy heavenly father. Because that's who he's talking about here. 
Jesus is inviting us to pray. And he wants to instill and give us this confidence in God to pray. To come honestly and to come boldly and to pray about anything. The Apostle John, whom Jesus was most likely closest to based on historical records and reading and putting some things together. He says this in his epistle in 1 John 5, 14 uh, through 15. He says, this is the confidence that we have before him, speaking of God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Now notice the two, kind of the two criteria there. He says the first point is that you have this confidence. And then the second thing is that you're asking on the basis and according to God's will. And he says then you can ask whatever you want and God will give you what he wants and what he knows is good and ultimately best for you. Does that idea of God's will ever bother you? Does it kind of make you just a little bit hesitant when you pray? Well, man, I don't know what God's will is, so how in the world do I pray about this or pray about that? How do I know what God's will is? You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, here's the first thing. Really, there's two things you do. You pray and you ask. Got to come with confidence that you'll reveal and you'll show me your will. Now, obviously, and I think I probably don't even have to say this for this group, but if you're always praying for a new Beamer or a bigger home or a better boat or a faster car or, you know, whatever it is, that's probably not really God's will for you to pray for those things. Now, is it wrong to ask for them once in a while? I don't think so. But if that's the focus of your prayers, it's always something, you know, like goodies from God for you, you're probably not praying in the will of God. But God says, I want to give you good gifts. And I love that. I've done this illustration before, but it, it's kind of fun and it bears repeating. And I didn't have breakfast this morning, so I thought I'd bring my M&Ms. When, when my boys were, were growing up, we played this game. You know, whenever I got, I love candy and chocolate. And so I get, I get M&Ms. And so I, I taught uh, Joel how to play this game early on. I would stick my fingers in here and I would grab usually a brown one. Because kids have a tendency, you, know, you can almost kind of read their minds. Uh, Joel's favorite color was blue. So probably two times out of three, he'd call blue. So here is the game. I'd say, Joel, listen, uh, I've, got, I've, got a, uh, I've got a little M&M in my hand. You can't see it. But if you guess the right color, you get it. And so he'd almost always go blue because blue is his favorite color. And I would have a brown one in there. So I say, oh, I get it. You know, <laughs> it was a great game. Well, and I'd keep him in the game because I'd make sure that he won a couple of times and he got it right. Well, he got smarter. He got older. Started figuring this game out. And so now I had to start doing a little bit of finagling. You know what I mean? So I would stick my fingers in there. I'd say, okay, I've got one. But I didn't. <laughs> uh, now, this, uh, this is a fatherly prerogative thing. And uh, so he would say red, and I would drop my red one, and I'd grab a green one or a yellow one. I'd say, sorry, dude, mine again. And we did this, and, you know, he got smarter. And then, you know, the, the sad thing is, is that when he learned how to do the bag, he started doing the same thing. 
Here's the point. I know it's, it's a small point, but it's an important point. God, as our Heavenly Father, doesn't play games with us. Why do I say that? Because you know something? When we pray, I'm sure that everybody in this room at some point has wondered, God, what are you doing? What's the bait and switch? What's the game going on here? Because I'm asking for this thing over here. And it's not happening. And it's a good, good thing. And you're a good, good father. And we begin to really think that God's playing these these games with us. But Jesus says, this is the confidence that we have in approaching God. The word confidence there is translated from the Greek word parousia, which means openness, frankness, plainness, courage, confidence, boldness, fearlessness. Some of your texts, some of your Bible verses will say um, other words, but all of that is encapsulated in that. And he says, we approach God with this awe and this confidence because... He's God. We can ask him plainly. We don't have to worry that God will not do what's best. We can trust and we have confidence that whatever we ask from God, it's always going to be good. It's always going to be right. It's always going to be the best. Jesus gives an example of this in another story uh, in the Gospel of Luke. If you have your finger wet there, just turn over to Luke chapter 11 real quick. Because the same passage Luke is talking about at a different point in the Gospel, and he adds another story to it. So the disciples have come to Jesus in Luke chapter 11, and they said, Lord, would you just teach us to pray? And Jesus says, well, absolutely. And he teaches them the Lord's Prayer that we learned uh, some weeks ago in Matthew 6. And it's interesting because he begins to teach on the Lord's Prayer, and then he also goes into the same verses that we're looking at today, seek, ask, and knock. But then he tells another story. Listen to what he says. Uh, Chapter uh, uh, 11, verse 5. Now Jesus said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from the inside and say, don't bug me, don't bother me. The door's already locked, my children and I, we've gone to bed. I can't get up to get you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's shameless, audacious boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I ask So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And he begins to share the same story about the snake and the fish and the rock and the bread. I love that. What are you going to do? you got a friend that comes to you, knock, 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 knock. I mean, it's midnight. You've been in bed. You've been, you know, if that's me, I've been in bed for three hours, you know, and I'm tired, and, and I don't want to get up. And then if you've got kids, you don't want to take the chance of waking them up. But what does Jesus say? He says, you know what? You're not going to even do it because they're your friend. You're going to do it because they had the boldness and the shameless audacity to wake you up at midnight. 
And so Jesus is reinforcing. He's not, he's not emphasizing the fact that you got to bug God at midnight, or if you do, he's going to be upset and he'll get up frustrated. Okay, you bug me again. It's not that at all. He's really emphasizing the importunity, the shameless audacity to say, you know something, God? I believe you're my father and I can trust in you. And Jesus is saying, ask God. And you say, well, what about his will? Well, Jesus doesn't get a lot into that. Here's what, what I think. You, most of us in here, if you've been walking with Jesus for any time, you know he's not like a, you know, a, a spiritual slot machine or a, or a genie that you can just go and you, know, you start asking for all these goodies and things. You know you can ask him for those things that you need and some of those things that you do desire. But here's the point. Don't be afraid to ask God anything for any need, for anything that you're facing. That's the point that Jesus wants you to know. And here's the deal about God's will, because we'll get into it in a few minutes. But God will sift it out. You know what he's teaching us? He's saying, I want you to be an asker. And then Jesus gives the command, the follow-up in verse 7. He says, ask it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock on the door and it will be opened to you. Uh, these verbs here that he's speaking are written in the present imperative, in the mood of a continuous action. He's a command that he's saying, listen, I want you to keep asking. I want you to keep knocking, and I want you to keep seeking. And sometimes this is where we can begin to think and see God is playing this big game with us. Oh, over here, over there. Oh, ask here, ask this much. It's not that. But why does Jesus command them to ask? Why would Jesus do that? Because he knows that it's part of developing a growing awareness of your daily need, my daily need, my daily interaction with God. See, what do your kids do with you? They know they need you. Mom, where's dinner? Hey, Dad, can I borrow a couple bucks to go do something? And God says, you know what? When you're asking, that's going to tether your heart and your life to me. But here's the rub. How many of us had a dad when you ask for something? It would be like this. Hey, dad, can I? No. I had a dad like that. My dad, uh, this is not telling this to feel bad for me or anything, but it's, it's just the way it was. When I, when I was in seventh grade playing basketball, Adidas became the big thing. Remember Adidas when they first came out, guys? White, nice, had the special toe. Well, my dad got me some knockoffs. They were the much less expensive ones, and, and, and the front of them started peeling off because I was always dragging my toe playing basketball when I'd go in for a shot, lay in, or whatever. When I was in fifth grade... I said, Dad, I'm going to play baseball. Well, he didn't care about sports. So we go to Fred Myers, and uh, I saw this mitt that I wanted, this really nice leather mitt. And he looked at it, looked at the price tag, and said, too much. And he goes over, and he gets this little plastic mitt. Now, I'm not kidding you. It was, this little pla- it, was the same, it, was a, it was the same size. It was a plastic mitt. And right here at the fingers, after about three practices, it was all, it was all cut and broke. Now... Some of us, we see our heavenly father like that. No, you can't do that. No. 
Some of us see our Heavenly Father as incredibly stingy, that he doesn't want us to enjoy life. He doesn't want us to have anything. So what do we do? We hear a passage like this, and we begin to believe that, okay, what we got to do is, man, we got to twist his arm. we got to break him down for him to give us anything that we desire or need because he is a reluctant father. And that, ex- and, and that begins to affect how we relate to him. What happens then? Is it really about his reluctance? Well, it can be if we believe that. But why then are we reluctant to go ask from him? Why does Jesus make this such a big point? Well, because we become reluctant. Here's a few things that cause it. First of all, our pride keeps us from asking. We want to do it on our own. We don't want to admit that we, have a, have, we need help. We don't want to admit that we have a need. Don't a lot of us have a tendency, or some of us, maybe me, I'll do it my own way. I'll figure it out and take care of it. What do your kids do when you see them getting frustrated and you begin to want to help them and you do something for them and you say, I want to help you. What do they do? No, I can do it. I'll take care of it myself. And sometimes we're like that with God. I I got this, God. I don't need your help. I can figure this out. Or maybe our fear keeps us from asking. We're we're afraid that God's always going to say no. What kept you from asking your parents to do something for you? Well, for me, I learned after a while that his first response would be no, but if I had to have it, it would always be second best. So a lot of times I just didn't bother asking. Some of us do that with God because we're not really convinced that he wants to give us good gifts, even though that's what Jesus says. Or maybe it's our misinformed sense of propriety that keeps us from asking. There are people who have a great asker, but there's a lot of us that, well, asking is really difficult. We begin to see God as this Busy divinity running the universe, dealing with all of the big problems. So who are we to trouble him with our little things, comparatively speaking, but they're extremely big to us. And Jesus doesn't make any differentiation here. He just simply says, would you come and would you ask the father who cares and wants to give you good gifts? Many of you are probably familiar with Yogi Berra, the former New York Yankee catcher and funny man who's an author and TV commentator, just a really funny guy. Now, Yogi Berra was a catcher behind the plate in a game where the Yankees were tied two to two. It was the bottom of the ninth inning, and, and there were two outs, and this hitter comes up to the plate. He takes his bat. There's a little bit of dust on the plate, and so he, you know, some people go, you know, do the cross and go this way and look up. Well, this batter went and took his bat and he made a cross in the dust on the plate. (laughs) So Yogi takes his mitt and he brushes off the dust and he simply says, why don't we just let God watch this game? (laughs) I love that. It's probably a good idea for a game, but it's really bad theology for life. Because see, God isn't just this this supreme divine bystander. 
But see, whatever is bothersome to you, whatever you need in your life, God not only is aware of it, but he invites you to come and to ask him. Here's a question for you. Is it possible that the biggest cause of unanswered prayer sometimes is because we never prayed in the first place? I've noticed... You know, sometimes in teaching that uh, when, when we talk about prayer, it's, it gets kind of the least response. Because I think we all kind of think we do it and we kind of all try and do it or we all figure we do it. But, but it's one of those things that really needs to be a greater part of our life. That's what Jesus is teaching us twice in the Sermon on the Mount. How many times have you found yourself knee deep in a problem or problems and then all of a sudden the light goes on? Man, I haven't even prayed yet. I've thought, I've worried, I've complained, I've grumbled. But you realize you haven't even prayed. I read this saying one time in a, I think it was a book or a, something, and it said, when you can do anything else, pray. At first I thought it was kind of a typo. It didn't really makes sense because we always say, well, do everything you can and then pray. But if that statement highlights our our human prayer proclivity to try and do everything that we can do to figure it out instead of just simply saying, Lord, I'm in deep weeds here and I need some help. Could you give me some understanding? Because how many of us have tried to go into something, a difficult decision or problem in our life, and we tried to fix it and... Well, it got worse. I've done that a time or time. Instead of just simply saying, Lord, I really need your guidance in this. And we're going through all these machinations and we're trying to figure it out. And Father God is simply watching. James 4.2 says this. You desire and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. You fight and you wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. And then you ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. See, I'm I'm, I'm convinced that the biggest cause of a lot of the unanswered prayers in our lives, it's simply because they're unasked. And we don't trust our Heavenly Father. We don't go to Him. Jesus says, the Father invites us. Would you ask? Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, I want you to pray without ceasing. He doesn't mean that you pray 24 hours a day, but that you pray daily. That you live with this attitude of prayer so that as you're walking, as you're journeying through every day, you can simply stop and go, God, I'm... I need your help here. I'm heading into this meeting. I've got this thing that's just come up. I've got this thing that came to me in the mail, a bill, whatever. I just need your direction and your wisdom here. See, that's what it means to pray without ceasing, that you're in this attitude that you can just in any situation pray regularly, confidently. But Jesus then does more than simply command us to pray. He promises that God will answer. Verse 8, he says, for everyone who asks, receives. Say that with me. For everyone who asks, receives. 
Say, say it again. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. God answers prayer. Everyone. Who's an everyone in here? Some of you, okay. Some, okay, good. That's why you don't answer prayer. You're not an everyone. Because I know some of us were thinking, hold on. Come on, Terry. Hold on. God doesn't answer every prayer. How many of you have had prayers that seem to be unanswered? Yeah. There's prayers you think, man, I don't have an answer. I requested. I've asked for something that seems good. I've asked for something that seems right. I've asked for something that I don't have an answer for. Well, let me put it this way first. There's, there is some incredible depth of mystery to prayer. Part of grand, God's grandeur and part of God's glory is his mystery. Isaiah 55, 8 says this, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. Now see, we can interpret that and say, well, he's smart and we're dumb. But it's really not about that. He's just simply saying, I'm God and you're not. I see, I see everything that you're going through from a heavenly perspective, not an earthly perspective. We have a tendency, what we like to do in the church, and I said it last week and I'll say it again, theology and doctrine are important. But we have to make sure that we don't put God in our box and make him be who we want him to be. And if there's any mystery about God, we find so much of it around prayer. And if we try and take that mystery away and we try and wrap God in this prayer box, well, there's no mystery about God and he ceases to really be God because he is sovereign. There's such a balance and a dynamic tension that has to be maintained with theology and doctrine and how God answers our prayers. He says this is universal application. Everyone who asks receives. Man, that's a staggering promise. I love that. Everyone who asks receives. And it's meant, I believe, to inspire us to pray, to give us confidence that when we come to God, we can ask for anything. But is Jesus really saying that you will receive whatever you ask every time? Well, no. James says, "Eh, you're not going to if you don't do it with a semblance of proper motives. John says if it isn't in alignment with God's will. So this isn't like some kind of a blank check where God is obligated to give you everything that you ask for. Imagine what would happen if he did that for all of us. It would be a disaster. I'd be praying for this. You'd be praying for that. We wouldn't even think about it. We would just see God as our genie to be able to do whatever we wanted him to do. And how do any of us know to ask the right thing for any situation. Because we don't have an eternal perspective on how it's all going to work out. So how do we understand these words that Jesus has spoken? Well, first of all, he wants us to ask and he promises God will answer. But here's the catch. 
See, here's the thing that we can never forget, loved ones, is that the request that we make isn't always the answer that God's going to give. See, we pray and we believe things thinking it's best, but there's a lot of different things in play. Just because we ask for it doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that it's God's will or that it's part of God's plan. And I'll just be honest with you, that's really hard for me. Because I have people coming to me all the time and asking that question. This is good. This is right. This is helpful. If God loves me, how come? And let me give you a really theological answer. I don't know. I'm with you. It's troublesome sometimes. There are people in this church now and in the past that are godly, wonderful people. They love God. They serve God. They care about people. They do what the greatest commandment, love God and love people. And they get sick. And we don't see them get healed. Yet James comes around and he says in chapter 1, Father gives good gifts. Every good and perfect thing comes down from heaven. In him, though, is no shadow or shifting. There's no dark side to God. And I don't know about you, but that causes me just to scratch my head a little bit. But then I start thinking it through. Well, what if God did heal everybody? What if God did do everything that we really wanted him to do that was good and right? I don't know. See, I love my kids and my grandkids. And here's the truth. And I think it comes out of my experience growing up. Whenever I could give them something that was generally needed or necessary, I always tried to give them the best. With my grandkids, I try and give them as much as I can. That's what good parents do. Father knows best for our lives. But here's the deal. One of our boys growing up always wanted to drive the car. I mean, from the time he was 10, he wanted to drive the car, but he couldn't even reach the pedal. I mean, that's going to be hard. That is a wreck waiting to happen. So you know what the answer was? There are times God says, wait, not now. There's times that I say, wait, not now. The boys wanted to shave. You know how they see dad doing it there and all of a sudden they want to do it and so you put the shaving cream on him. I give him one of my little razors. It was a mess. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. <laughs> I just put cream on him but I took out, I had one of those razors that you take the razor out and you give it to him and so they're just shaving away. <laughs> see, there's time where God says, not your way or this isn't the best way. Let's try a different way. School nights, we had one son that always wanted to stay up late, late, late. There was a problem, though. He couldn't get up, up, up the next morning. And so we realized this is not a good thing. And so I said, no, you're not going to stay up late on a school night. Hear me, loved ones, there's time that God says no. 
God is this wise father who doesn't give us everything that we ask for. And we can be grateful for that because we don't know the outcomes if he gave it to us. Well, you go, well, okay, how do I know this isn't the time? Or how do I know it's a no? Well, time will tell you. Because sometimes you don't get something right away, but it comes later. And that was God saying, no, no, there's going to be a different time. Wait. And sometimes you don't get your answer at all. And time passes, and then the thing passes. And you have to be able to say, I trust that God only gives good things to his kids and to me. So Jesus said, Matthew 7, 9 through 11, which of you, if his son asks for bread, you're going to give him a stone. Or if he he asks for a fish, you're going to give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, you're sinful, you know how to give good gifts to your children, you want to give them good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you who ask him? Jesus is reminding his prayer is simply a child talking to and asking his or her father. How do kids approach their parents? Well, if you're a decent parent, they're going to they're come to you confidently because they're going to know ultimately that their, be- your, their best is in their parents' thinking in hands. And Jesus explains how God feels about prayer and about his kids. And he uses this picture. He says, is there a mom and dad in this room that if your kid asks for bread, you're going to give him a rock and say, here, chew on this. <laughs> Enjoy that. Hope your teeth come out all right. Or, yeah, or they say, hey, man, could, you know what? I'd like to have a, a McFish sandwich. Can we go to McDonald's? And you would go, you bet. And so somehow you've got something, a rattlesnake. And there you go get this happy meal. And there's a rattlesnake in there rattling. And the kid goes, what's that rattling? And you go, oh, that's the fish. I know this is hyperbole, but follow Jesus's humor here. He's using hyperbole to say there's not a chance in the world that your heavenly father is going to do that to you. Because even though you and I are imperfect and sinful, he says, how much more will your heavenly father give you good gifts? If you ever wonder about God's willingness and generosity, here is the answer. How much more? Will your God, who is perfectly good, give you what is good to his children? Underscore those words. How much more? Not how little. Not when I feel like it. But how much more will I give you that will be good for you? And work the best out in your life. Our Heavenly Father is generous. The last thing is, Jesus says, here's the practice. Pray confidently and pray first. There's a great story in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua is leading. He's taken over the leadership from Moses sometime earlier. And now he's leading the people to the promised land. They're standing before Jericho, what would have been seen like an impregnable city. 
And Joshua, as a leader, he's a little bit nervous. He's a little bit worried because there's not a chance in the world they should be able to take on this city that has fortified with great walls. And he goes outside the camp and he goes outside the city. He's looking at these walls of the city and he's praying. And all of a sudden he looks up and there's this soldier that appears. It's called the commander of the Lord. And he's got his sword drawn. Imagine Joshua. He's just looking to go out there and pray. And this soldier, this commander comes to him. And Joshua looks at him as a good leader does. He goes, whose side are you on? And the answer was just simply, I'm the commander of the Lord. There's no yes. There's no no. But all of a sudden, Joshua realizes who it is. It's God. It's what we call in theology, a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ, just like he was when he came as a baby in Nazareth. If you're God, you can do those things. But it's a Christophany, and he's standing there, and he challenges Joshua to basically, I'm here, and I'm the answer. And what does Joshua do? It says that he fell down, and he worshiped. He doesn't ask more questions. Joshua simply bowed in worship, knowing that God was there. The promised presence was manifest before him. Victory was sure. Pray confidently. See, I'm learning some things about confidence, and it's aligning with Jesus few things. Does the Lord have the privilege to do anything with you that he wants to do? Not what you want to do, but what he wants to do. Or does your commitment and relationship to Jesus Christ have conditions where you want something and you'll try and do a little deal with God? You know, if you do this, I'll become a better follower. I'll be stronger. I'll do this if you do this. Does your faith have those kinds of conditions? If you heal me, if you heal this person, if you fill my bank account with resources, then you'll get it. Because you'll never have any confidence if that's how you roll. Do you realize that you are not in control? Do you realize there's so many things in life you can't change, you can't fix? And will you take a step back and call on him? And even like Joshua, he didn't get the answer that he wanted. But when he realized who it was, he just fell and he worshiped. Here's the last one. What do you hunger for? Jesus. John talks about What's God's will and aligning with it? Do I want what God wants? Do I want his presence in my life? Do I really believe God's ways are the best for my life and I'm going to do everything I can to walk those out? Do I believe his timing is best? I hope the answer for all of us is yes. Because that's when you'll have your greatest confidence. You'll have your greatest confidence to be able to trust God but your greatest confidence to be able to ask God and then trust Him with whatever answer He gives you. Pray confidently, then pray first. Start your day by talking with the Lord and 
getting his marching orders for your life. Pray first when you're making plans. Ask God for his wisdom, for your job, for your work, for whatever you're doing. Pray first when you're in trouble. What is usually our first reaction in trouble? It's panic, it's screaming, it's scheming. Next time something happens, pray first. What are you facing right now? What's your big battle? What's your biggest concern? Have you prayed for it? Have you prayed about it? What's your biggest need? Are you trying to do it? Manipulate it, manufacture it? Or have you stepped back and said, God, this is what I need. I'm going to do what I need to do, but I'm waiting on you too. Have you brought God into the equation? That's what Jesus says. Maybe you're here today, maybe you're online, and we're sure thrilled that you're here. And maybe you've never made a commitment to say, I want to follow Jesus. He's the ultimate answer to everything, your life, your future, your hopes, your dreams. Maybe you've never done that today. I just say it'd be a great day for you to make that decision to cross the line of faith. I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment, whether you're online or you're here. Just pray this simple prayer. It's not the prayer that puts you into a relationship with God. It's your heart that brings you to this place of saying, you know something? I don't want to just seek a genie. I want to seek the God of the universe, the sovereign king over all. This world and my life. So let's pray. Father, we come in Jesus' name today. Prayer is such a mystery. I know there are people in this room that right now have prayed for things in the past and it didn't, uh, the outcomes weren't as they had intended. There are people right now that are praying for things and we haven't seen answers. But Lord, some of us could be in these marginal times of not yet. Wait and see. Maybe even no. But Lord, help us to come and like Joshua, just go, I've prayed, I've seen, and now I just lay and I come and I worship you, God, and trust you with my life. And Lord, there's some of us maybe that have never stepped across the line of faith and said yes to following you. Lord, it isn't so much about you coming into our life. It's about you renewing our lives, God, and we choose to follow you and your ways. And if you're here today or you're online and you've never done that, I invite you to just say this simple prayer where you just say, God, I I am a sinner, but I want to pursue the God of the universe. And so today I choose to follow you. Would you forgive me of my sins? I embrace you. I don't understand it all, but today I make a choice. And that's where it starts, friends, where you choose follow the risen king and now Lord I just want to take a minute where we stand before you 
And some of us have some incredibly weighty things going on in our lives that need prayer. And we're going to take a moment. We're just going to bring them before you, Lord, and ask you today to speak to us, to show us. Do we wait? Is it a no? Are you working? And then, Lord, we can walk out of here with confidence that you've heard. So if you hear a friend and there's things going on, would you just say, Lord, here's, here's where I am. In the simplest of language, it doesn't have to be King James or New International. Just talk like a child to your Heavenly Father and let Him know your need this morning. Let's take a moment to do that. precious flock that trusts you and looks to you. Lord, enlarge our faith and our vision, God, for what you're doing in our lives. And for that, we want to give you thanks. We want to bless you today with our lives and our worship. In Jesus' name, amen.